So as you're seated this morning, let's go ahead and continue to pray some more, just to get our hearts ready. So God, we do just pray that this morning, I just want to ask you to open my spiritual eyes and ears this morning, God. So right now, here's your opportunity to pray. Just slow down my heart and my mind, Lord, to the rhythm of grace this morning. Lord, just help me to be in tune with you and what you have this morning for us. So we just bring this service under the power and under the authority of Jesus Christ. So I bring my heart under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to me as only you can. God, I pray that this morning that these will not be my words, but you're spoken through me, O oh God. Lord, we thank you for the worship team and leading us this morning. And we pray this morning as we continue to to study your word this morning, that we will continue to worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our study in the book of Acts, looking at his presence, his power, and his purpose, and how that brings transformation into our lives. And this morning we'll be studying verses 5 through 11, chapter 1. However, verse 8 is really the thesis statement of the whole book of Acts. And you really have to get verse 8 to really understand everything about the book of Acts, and it helps us so much. Look at what it says. It says, but you will receive, this is Jesus saying to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's talk about this receiving power, because what I want to talk to you this morning is about empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And empower, the definition means to give someone, and these are our key words right here, authority or power to do something. So here's what you have to understand. Those of you that are in Christ Jesus, that are living in the kingdom of God, that Jesus has given you authority and empowerment for the world that you live in. Look at this. Jesus talking to the disciples one day, and he said, I will, now this is, this is him giving it, we're looking at in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but right here he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So keys mean, that means authority. When you have keys to something, that means you have authority to something. So he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, now, now I'm going to ask you, as you read these verses, are you a disciple of Jesus? That means you're a follower of Jesus. So are you following Jesus with your life right now? Well, if you are, then Jesus says that I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. And he says this, he says, And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Think about that. So the prayers that you are praying right now has an impact on heaven. See, we always think about heaven having an impact on us, which is true. But Jesus is saying right here that the prayers that you are praying, that's having an impact on heaven. Whatever you bind, forbid, on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's, there's, a, there's something going on between you and heaven. And whatever you loose, whatever you allow on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this morning, there have been a lot of people that have went walking, that have come walking into churches that are all bound up in anger because of what's happened this past week. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on politically. There's a lot of angry people this morning walking into church. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God wants you to come walking into church this morning angry about some political things that's happened in our world? Do you think the enemy wants you to be angry about that? Yes. And all bound up on the inside to where whenever you come into God's house that you can't hear what God's saying, you can't hear the Holy Spirit because you're all bound up about what happened by something that you don't have any control over, by the way. Oh, listen, this morning, please don't allow the enemy to have a foothold on your heart because of something that has happened in our world that you have no control over. I want to remind you something. Who is the King of Kings? Who is the Lord of Lords? It is Jesus, and he has all authority and all power today, as he always has, and he always will. He is in control. So here's what I've struggled with 
What is empowered Christian life and what is a powerless Christian life? It seems like, you know, we just kind of have this default thing in our life where we think, like, okay, here's this line right here. If I'm above this line, most time we'll say it's like behavior modification. Man, if I'm just behaving right, then I'm going to get up here. God's going to be happy with me, and I'm going to live this empowered Christian life. And if I'm not behaving right, if I'm not living right, then I'm not a good Christian, and I live a powerless Christian life. Well, let me, let me help you with something here. Let's, let's reframe the way we think this. It isn't about the way you behave. It isn't about you being a good person or a bad person, Okay. To start off with, the most important aspect of living in, living in this empowered Christian life is our position in Christ. Ephesians 2.6 says this. It says, for he raised us from the dead, from this dead spiritual state along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So the empowered Christian life begins in my position, recognizing my position that I'm seated with Christ. Past tense already happened with Christ in the heavenlies. So it isn't about me being a good Christian, a good person. Jesus is, he said, listen, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is only one good, and that is God alone. I mean, we, see, we got to get that today. I mean, I'm coming back to you once again, over and over again, because in, in our Western culture of Christianity, we believe that I must be acting right for God to bless me. And I'm telling you today, it isn't about how you act. That is the foundation. It's about your position. You're blessed because of your position in Christ Jesus. And listen, because of my position in Christ Jesus, that changes everything. That transforms my life. Listen. It isn't that God is powerless to help you. You do realize that, right? It is not that God is powerless to help the, the, the culture that we live in today. See, God is powerful, power-filled. It isn't that he is powerless. So where's the breakdown? That's what we ask ourselves. We say, okay, David, yes, you know, I, I, I proclaim Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know I mean? So why does it feel like I'm living a powerless Christian life? Well, good news for you. We're not going to cover that completely today. But as we go through the book of Acts, as we go through this, we're going to see, because it's layers. It isn't just one simple answer. I can come in here and say, yes, ah, it's your position in Christ. Okay, that's it. I'm going to walk out of here and live an empowered Christian life. It isn't quite that simple. There's layers to this, and we've got to go through this. What is God trying to teach us in the book of Acts? Is it about having a healthy, thriving church? Yes. Is it about you living in an empowered, healthy, thriving Christian life? Yes. All of the above. So there's layers to that this morning. So I don't want to oversimplify it and say it's only one thing here. You got to do this. It's at the foundation of it, though, is your position in Christ, not you being good or bad. That is essential for us to understand this. Colossians 2, 10 through 15, before we get into our primary text, helps me understand what this means about being my position and authority and power in Christ Jesus. Here's what it says right here. It says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. So that, listen, you got everything you need in Christ Jesus for living the empowered Christian life. And he is, look at this, who is Jesus is the head over every ruler and authority. And that's not talking about only worldly rulers and authorities. That's talking about spiritual rulers and authorities. He is, he is over every single one of them, regardless of what they think or they feel or where they come from or where they're going. The Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. When you came to Christ, so did you make a profession of faith? Did you accept Jesus as your Savior? Whatever you words you want to put into that, however you want to say that, here's what I would also say. You came under the authority power of Jesus. The authoritative rule of Jesus when you got saved, however you want to word that, what you did is you said, now I proclaim you as my Lord and Savior. When you say that, you come under his authority rule in your life. So when you came to Christ... You are circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your, the Greek word is sarxe right here. We call it, the Bible says flesh many times. And what it means is your sinful nature, great translation we've got here. It was cutting away of that sinful, so the sinful nature no longer has power and authority over my life. Doesn't mean I'm never going to sin again. 
But what it means is it no longer has power and authority to make me against my will sin. For you are buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you are raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. And that's, once again, our key words right here, power and authority. Who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead. You were dead spiritually because of your sins. Our sins, what separates us from God, that's what caused spiritual death. Because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive, spiritually alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So look at this, folks. Here's, this is amazing right here. All of your sins, past, present, and future, have been canceled. Every that sin debt's been canceled, and it says that Jesus has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, this is legal terminology the Bible's talking about here because when you talk about kingdom authority, you're talking about legal rights. Okay, see, so this is essential when we talk about living the empowered Christian life. And why does it make a difference? So many people are like, why does it make a difference? You know, once I'm saved, I can just sin, and God will forgive me. It's no big deal. Well, here's what the difference is, okay? Here's what the difference it makes in your life. Whenever you commit sin, what you do is you, sort, you short-circuit the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. So it's like this. This building right here has got a breaker box somewhere. I don't know, but in my house, I don't know where the breaker box is. And the breaker box in my house, if a circuit gets overloaded, it trips a breaker, that breaker, when that breaker is tripped, there's no longer power getting to a certain area in, in my house. So there's this power, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit coming into my life, but whenever I commit sin and I leave it unconfessed and unrepented, then it short circuits the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into that area of my life. See, here's the problem, is there's areas of my house. So, okay, so let me tell you this. So there's like, in my backyard, we have something called the barn. It's actually a whole other house, really. Okay, and in this barn, it's got there's circuit breakers out there, and then I've got a pool in my backyard that the circuit breakers come, the electricity comes from the barn into my pool, and so one day I go walking out to the pool, and the pool is green. What's wrong with the pool? I start looking in the pump, the pump won't turn on. Well, I go back and I start tracing it back, and I go to the barn, and the barn has tripped a breaker that goes to the pool. So everything was set up right in the pool. But without the power coming to the pool, the pumps weren't working. I was totally unaware of this for days on end because I didn't go out to the barn and I didn't go out to the pool. So what I'm saying is this. Many times the Holy Spirit's power, empowerment, gets short-circuited in certain areas of our life, but we're totally unaware of it. We don't know. I don't, we don't realize that that area right there just got, you know, a sin. There's unconfessed, unrepentant sin, and the Holy Spirit's not empowering that area of my life. And we're wondering, what, what's wrong with me? Now, let me just tell you something, okay? I'll just, this is for me, this is how I can tell when things have short-circuited somewhere in my life. It always, the telltale sign for me is I start thinking wild and crazy and stupid thoughts. When my thinking goes haywire on me, I mean, you should, I'd be like, what is wrong with me, man? Why am I thinking these thoughts like this? But see, now I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me to be aware. Okay, when I'm starting thinking things that are crazy and wrong and all this, that's an indication right there that there is a, there's a, a the, the circuit has been, the, the, the breaker's been tripped and something needs to be addressed. I got to go back to the, to the prayer, to the prayer box. I'm going to go back to the prayer box, the, the breaker box, and I've got to do some praying. Hey, let me ask you something. You guys that have tripped the breaker before, is it hard to do? No. You just go flip a switch and everything's back to normal? Prayer, listen, under the authority and the power of Jesus, it's just that easy. See, some of you think you've got to work your way back into God's good graces. I've got good news for you today. You don't ever work your way into God's graces. You're positioned in that in Christ Jesus. Jesus, when he said you have kingdom authority, that means it's just that simple. It's all about prayer. It always comes back to prayer, by the way. Over and over again, that is the issue we come back to. How am I going to know the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? If I'm not praying, I'll never know it. I'll never experience it. And I will live this, this, this weak Christian existence under the, you know, with sin just crushing me down. And I don't have to, by the way. I don't have to live that way. You see, the devil wants you to live that way and to think it's all because you're a bad person. And the gospel is a total different story. The gospel is all about God's grace to you. 
about you not earning and deserving, but him giving it to you. That's what grace is, undeserved favor. <laughs> you receive some of that today? Is that okay with you? Would you take some of that today? I'll take a whole lot of that, by the way. Okay, so here's the, here is, this is so good right here. Look at this verse. Verse 15 is amazing. It says, in this way, Jesus, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, so the enemy against you has a gun. And what Jesus did by his death, burial, and resurrection is he came and he removed all the ammunition out of the gun. So the enemy is still pointing the gun at you, still trying to condemn you, but Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So now he's aiming an empty gun at you. Listen, if someone aims a gun at me and I know there's not any ammunition in the gun, it doesn't frighten me. You realize that the devil always wants to work with fear, by the way. And fear works. The whole world can be turned and changed and controlled by fear. We've seen that, right? So that's what the devil wants to do. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be fearful. He wants you to live under a load of condemnation that you don't have to live under. So his gun, all the ammunition has been drained out. The spiritual rulers, listen, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. And then he goes on, takes it one step further. He said, he shamed them by publicly, shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, in our language, that doesn't make a lot of sense in our culture. But in their culture, it made a lot of sense because when a, when a ruler would go overpower another kingdom, that he would take that king and he would take him and he would make a parade right down through the middle of their country and everybody would have a parade and they'd see that this ruler, that he was subdued and now, now our king, our king now has overpowered him so they'd have a parade. And it would be a public humiliation for the one who lost. He shamed them publicly. Man, he put him on a public display. There's been a parade. The devil has lost. Jesus has won. We are victorious. So why are we living under a load of condemnation? He's aiming an empty gun at us, and we got more. We're scared to death. Please don't. And the Bible's saying that gun has no ammunition in it. You are already victorious in Christ Jesus. Flip the breaker, man. Come on, let the light back in. Stop living in the darkness. I'll clap with you, sister. Praise the Lord. A little golf clap out of us this morning. Because we got way too many Christians that are, listen, whenever you're, whenever you're, you, go, you should go home today, just do this, go home and just get that main breaker and flip it off and see, what, see how comfortable your life is in your house. Your heater won't be working, you won't be able to cook your food, you won't be able to watch your television, you won't be able to do any of that stuff, that electricity coming in there, that power, without empowerment coming into your house, your house will become a very uncomfortable existence. Do you see what the enemy's doing? Then we should all the breakers be flipped off and you to be living a very uncomfortable existence in Christ Jesus. He can't get you out of that. But man, he can make you uncomfortable in that if you'll just sit back and go, oh man, what's happened? No lights, no electricity, no power. Oh, this is terrible. This is painful. And, and the Bible's saying just go to the breaker box, flip the breaker, say the prayer, confess, repent of your sin, let the power back into your life. Stop living in fear and in darkness. Here's what Jesus says, but in fact, talking to the disciples the night before his crucifixion, he says, best, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the parakletos, the advocate, what's the what's say? Talking about the Holy Spirit is capitalized, it's talking about divinity here, the parakletos, the, the, the definition is one who appears, legal terminology, one who appears in another's behalf, a mediator, an intercessor, a helper, for us to be like a lawyer, when you hire a lawyer, that lawyer is on your side, Right? He said, he won't come. If I don't go away, he won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And don't get confused on this because he also says, the Father sends him in my name. See, here's, here's the interesting thing. So you have got, in legal terminology, you have got the Holy Spirit, the very power of God, empowering your life. But he is also there as your advocate, your helper, your, your lawyer, the one, that, the one that, that speaks on your behalf in the heavenly realm, and all of this stuff, this condemnation coming against you, the, the Bible says also in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. So he's praying for you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is praying for you. Oh, God is for you. He's on your side. And you, you, you receive that today? God is for you? 
Okay, I can see about half of y'all are coming out of it now, okay? The other half of you, listen, it's going to be all right. I'm here to tell you today, it's going to be all right, okay? It's all, God is still in control. It's all going to be all right. Okay, so here we go. Jesus says, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, for John baptized with water. John the Baptist but you will be baptized in immersion with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, when someone is baptized, let me ask you a question. When you see people get baptized, usually you've got someone that has taken them and they're immersing them in our, in our church in a way. You'll see them get immersed under the water. So someone else, what work is a person who's being baptized, what work are they doing? None. Nothing. There's someone else doing the work. They're doing the baptizing. They're putting them down the water and lifting them back up. Do you see this? See, listen. We think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as something that we do. Once again, it isn't anything that we do. It's what God does all the work. God does, I mean, it's not, it's not you being good, you being bad, you doing the work, you doing this. God does every single bit of it. Now, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. God does it all. There's a filling of the Holy Spirit. God does that all, but you got a responsibility in the filling of the Holy Spirit because you don't stay filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way. You're a leaky vessel. You need to be refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled every single day. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 20, it says, don't, get, don't be drunk with wine because someone's drunk. We say they're under the influence. They're intoxicated. They act, they talk, they walk differently. Interesting because he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be under the influence. Be filled. Be changed. Be transformed with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. That's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing song. Now, I'm wondering if this right here is descriptive, if it's describing something, or if this is something that, that is prescriptive, telling me what I need to be doing. Descriptive or prescriptive? So, do I need to be singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs so I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or is it a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord. We call that worship, right? Now, you know that you can read your Bible and worship. You know that you can just about do anything in worship, right? And look at this. And giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then here's one thing, going to, a couple things going to be happening for sure. I'm going to be worshiping, and I'm going, to be, listen, I'm going to recognize every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything good in my life comes from God. So four things that the Holy Spirit does for you at the moment you come to Christ. You're going to be born again by the Spirit. You're going to be indwelt. It comes inside. You're going to be baptized by the Spirit, and you're going to be sealed by the Spirit to the day of redemption. Now, this is at the moment of salvation. These are four things the Holy Spirit does right there for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Because in verse 3, what he did is he told them, he'd been teaching them all about the kingdom of God for 40 days. Now, so here they are, Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. And here's what a question for them. Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? What does that mean? Okay, so in the Old Testament, over and over again, they've got prophecies about how the Messiah is going to set up a world-dominating kingdom that's going to dominate the whole world. And so they, they've got that. They understand it. They're thinking, okay, is, is now the time? So your death, burial, now we see you're resurrected among us. Now, Jesus, are you going to set that up? Are you going to be the, the king of kings right here and right now? Now, let me just tell you something. In the Old Testament, they didn't have any way to determine the difference between his first coming and his second coming. And the prophecies that applied to his first coming and his second coming. So they, they were kind of vague on the fact that, yeah, you know, he came the first time to die for our sins, but the second time he's going to come back, he's going to be coming back as a lion that's going to destroy sin and he's going to dominate and rule the world. Now, here's the interesting thing, okay, is that they're asking him, when is it going to be set up in Israel? Okay? So what about Israel? Well, if you put Israel in Texas, the nation... It's about 120 miles long, 40 miles wide. And that is going to dominate the world someday? Yes, sir. Now, now in, in, its, in its context, that's Israel right there. That little bitty town. That's the, that's the nation Israel right there. And that's going to dominate the whole entire world? 
Well, so, okay, now here's, here's the interesting fact, okay? So they asked Jesus, when is Israel going to become a world-dominant power again? Jesus, for the last three and a half years, has constantly been correcting them when they were wrong. So if they're wrong about this, then Jesus will correct them. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. There's that word again. He didn't say, no, you're wrong about that. Israel will never be a world power again. He didn't correct them on that. So it's going to happen again. Now, you know, it's like the millennial kingdom. Is it whenever the, the, new, the new earth, the new heaven, and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, the implication is from the Old Testament that it is going to be during the millennial kingdom. But I'm real careful when I talk about things that are going to happen in the future, okay? Because I don't know. I haven't been there yet. But I do know this one. One way or another, Israel will be the world power again. That little bitty tiny piece of land right there, Jesus will rule from that spot, and he will rule and dominate the whole world. Oh, because you're not going to get that, but here's what you're going to get. Jesus says the kingdom isn't being restored right now on the, on the earth, but you will receive dunamon. You see, Whenever Alfred Nobel, when he created dynamite, he went to a Greek scholar friend of his, and he said, what's the Greek word for power? And his friend said, dunamos. So he called it dynamite. So you will receive this power. This is what you're going to receive right now. So you're talking about, one of these days I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. You will receive power. Can we get some air moving in here? People are going to sleep on us. Bob, somebody right there, just turn the fan on. You don't have to turn the air conditioner on. Don't want to get people mad at me. And right here in church, we want people to be happy and joyful. But lots of people are falling asleep. They didn't get any coffee in this church. We're going to shut the coffee down, and now there's no air moving. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning. Stay awake in Jesus' name. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. So let's talk about this. The empowerment, the dunamon. What is this? is what it includes. This is not an exhaustive list, once again, dear friend. But here is some of the things it includes. Power for transformational rewiring of my heart, soul, and mind. So the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is going to change the way that I think, the way that I believe, the way that I act. It's going to transform everything about me. Listen, ask you a question. Do you need help with the way you think? Do you need the Holy Spirit to rewire the way that you think? Yeah. You do realize something, that when the gospel comes, the gospel message comes to us, it's important what we think about the gospel message, right? That's the beginning of our faith. That is the beginning of our salvation. Then you will receive dunamis to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, because it no longer has authority over you. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe that Jesus is all-powerful and has all authority? Do you believe that his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is all-powerful and has all authority? I didn't say anybody say no. All I saw was yeses and heads shaking like this. Let me ask you another question. So if Jesus has all power and all authority and his kingdom has all power and all authority, then does that mean that Jesus has power over all viruses? So, why are we afraid of something he has authority over? So, just another question, as long as I'm throwing questions out there. Here's another question for you. So, if I identify that I have got a virus, and the Bible says, whatever I bind on earth be bound in heaven, and I bind that virus by name, I bind that virus commanded under the power and the authority of Jesus to leave my body, because my body has now been committed to the authority power of Jesus, then wouldn't that virus have to leave my body? Just a question. Just asking you that. Some of you are like, oh man, David's teaching healing now. Is a healing service going to happen? I'm not teaching a healing service. I'm just asking you an honest question. If you believe it has power and authority, that my body is under the authority of Jesus, then anything that comes into my body, if I identify and bind it, it says I bind it on earth, it's bound in heaven, then it's asking you, you think it has to leave. That's my question for you. See, do we short circuit the power of God? Oh, yeah, you know, God's got full empowerment, but not over viruses. He has total power and authority, but when it comes to a virus, he can't handle those. They're too much for him. 
Now, some of you are looking at me right now, and you're thinking, man, that dude has, he is being ridiculous. And, and, here, and here's what I will tell you. I'm looking at our Christian culture, and I'm saying we are being ridiculous. Amen. We have just forgotten who is empowered, who has got the power, who has got the authority. And we've given in to the fear of something that we should not be afraid of. Man, if Jesus came walking back into this building right now, Him walking into your life. What would you be afraid of? So you got the very Holy Spirit of God inside of you, dear friend. God is for you. I will not fear anything. Power to lead others to Jesus. Your words, if you talk somebody into being saved and somebody else can talk them out, it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to bring transformation to someone getting saved. Empowerment to lead others to salvation. Power to see the battle behind the battle. Let me just say this. Church, what you saw this past week, I hope that you saw the real battle. Because there's a battle behind the battle. And when you see all this stuff that you see on TV and everything, I'm just saying, that's not the battle. There's a whole other battle behind the battle. Let me, give you an, let me give you an story. So Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, he starts praying about the future of Israel. This is a national political thing he's praying about. So on the day that he begins to pray, an angel is dispatched from heaven to go give Daniel an answer. 21 days later, Daniel all of a sudden sees this amazing angel there. And the, here's what the angel says to him. The angel says... For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. What? Persia is a physical place. There's a spirit king of Persia? Blocked my way. So he says, Daniel, he says, 21 days ago when you first said that prayer, I was dispatched with the answer to you. But for 21 days, I've been in a spiritual battle. I couldn't get the answer to you. Daniel kept praying and kept fasting. Hang on, church. Because most of us are like, we pray one time, nothing happens. We're like, oh, man, God don't care. He kept on praying, kept on fasting, didn't stop, and the battle kept on. And here's what happened. So God dispatched help. One of the most powerful angels in heaven, the archangel Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And then I left him there in the battle with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and here I am with your answer. There's a battle behind the battle right there. You see it in the Bible. See, listen, what you see right now, that's not the real battle. There's a battle behind the battle. There's dark powers and principalities that are, that are at work in the world that you live in. And we, we in the church are blind to it. We look the other way. We're afraid of it. We think, man, that's weird. That's kooky. I don't understand that. So we just like, ah, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. And we fight the, the, listen, then we get into what the devil wants us to do, fighting each other. Division. I've never seen so many people hating one another now in the world we live in. You think that comes from God? I mean, we played right into the enemy's hand as a culture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my martos, where we get our words martyr. You will be my witnesses. You will be my martos in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. So listen, here's the thing, you understand something. There's no way that you can be a witness for Jesus if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes before you are a witness. Doesn't matter what you say, what program you follow, if it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will not be a witness for Jesus. You do realize something, that if you're in Christ Jesus, then you should be a witness. Everybody, there's a, there's, it's not the spiritual gift of evangelism. You realize that, right? If you are a Christian, you should be an evangelist. Amen. You should be leading other people to Jesus. You know, not just in the way you live, but the way you talk and everything, the way you share with them. What are, it's, it's all a part of being in Christ. It's a part of being that martos right there. See, a martyr is someone, they died for the faith. They witnessed for Jesus all the way to death. See, we should all be witnesses, but there's got to be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The natural result of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is you will be a witness. It's going to happen automatically. Here's what John says in John chapter, 1 John 1, 1 through 3. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. So this, we witnessed this. We heard this. We've seen this. We saw him with our own eyes 
and we touch him with our own hands. He is the word, the logos of Zoe, the word of life. Talking about Jesus, of course. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him, and now we testify. There's a witness. We can't help. I mean, the, the disciples, they, they try to just, in the book of Acts, we'll see this here pretty soon, that they, they arrest the disciples for preaching Jesus, and they're saying, listen, we'll let y'all go, but don't say anything else about Jesus. And they're like, man, listen, we can't help but talk about what we have seen and what we have heard. Some of y'all, when we get around you, all you talk about is your kids. Why is, why is that? I mean, you show us pictures of your kids. All you talk about is your kids, your grandkids. I do the same thing. That's all I talk about too. You get around me, I'm going to talk about my kids, my grandkids. Why is that? Why do we do that? Can't help but do that. Why? Because we love them dearly. If I love Jesus dearly, then guess what? I can't help but talk about what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced, the transformation that's taken place, even when people think I'm a nut. Still going to do it. Proclaim to you that he is the one who has eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And then verse 3 says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That convicts me. Let me tell you why that convicts me. Because if I stand up here and I start telling you all the things I've seen God do, most of y'all would think I was crazy. You would think, oh, well, well next week when David comes back to church, he's going to have one of those, those white leisure suits on with his hair slicked back and dancing around and preaching at the same time. Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean I really, I mean, like, I've seen things. So listen, I've experienced things that God's done. We look at each other and we're like, this is crazy. This past week I have. And if I get up here and start telling you this stuff, my fear is that you will not believe me and you will leave and never come back. And that's why that convicts me because fear is the opposite of faith. I'm afraid to tell you because I'm afraid of what you'll think of me and you won't come back and listen anymore. And so now I just sit on it. So that convicts me right there. After he had said this, he was taking up as they were watching. <laughs> and the cloud took him out of their sight. Now, just, just, just get it. Let's picture the moment there. They're walking along with Jesus, and they're talking. And also, hey, whoa, hang on. There he goes. It's kind of like the, the balloons. They didn't have balloons with helium in them back then, by the way. It's kind of like when you get those, you, your kids get them, they walk outside, and inevitably, you know, it's like they lose one, or they intentionally let it go and just kind of sit back. And... Can you see the disciple? I mean, they're bug-eyed, their mouths are hanging open. They're like... This hasn't happened before. You're not usually talking to someone, and you look over, and they're just going up into the sky. You know? Hey, what's going on, and why is he going up in the sky? And it says, and then a cloud took him out of their sight. Here's why the cloud took him out of their sight, okay? This is going to mess some of you up, but you've got to hear me. Because heaven isn't out there. Heaven is another dimension, the Bible and God's trying to help us something with up there and all that and location because we're so locational. So I took him out of their sight. The cloud took him out of their sight. There's a, how was God revealing himself in the Old Testament when he was leading the nation of Israel with a cloud by day and fire by night? Okay. So, I mean, that's the glory cloud of God, no doubt, that hid him from their sight. So they're standing there in amazement, no doubt, Mouths hanging open, eyes bugged out, don't know what to say, don't know what to think. Never seen this happen before. While they were going, they were gazing into heaven. Then suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They were always there, by the way. All of a sudden, they're seeing them now. Once again, the angels didn't come down. They didn't look up. Oh, there comes two more. You know what I mean? It was like, boom, they looked over, and they saw what's already there. Okay. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into heaven? Might have said, with your mouths hanging open, eyes bugged out. The same Jesus, same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same, same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Now, we talk about Jesus' second coming. We talk about him coming out of the sky. Jesus said, just like lightning flashes from the side, he said, you will see my return from the east to the west. You will, everybody will know when I come back. 
It's going to be a powerful event. So we've got to ask ourselves a question. Why did the angels tell them that the same way you've seen Jesus go away is the same way you're going to see him come back? Why did he do that? Why did the angels tell them that? And here's, here's the message to me. The Lord of lords, the king of kings, is going to come back. Now, they were not expecting him to leave at that moment, at that time, in that way. Jesus made it very clear, I'm going to come back at a time when you least expect it. When everybody's saying peace and safety and everything's fine, boom, here I come. So you better be about it. You better be working. You better be evangelizing. You better be doing what you've been called to do. You better be moving into your calling and, and, and at it because you never know at the moment he's going to come back. Because here's what's going to happen. It's in every single one of us, when he comes back, we're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I would have done how many of y'all do that right now? You look back at your past and, man, I wish while I was there that I would have tried hard, done this or tried hard, whatever it may be. Do you think that whenever this all comes to an end and we don't have any more opportunity for evangelism, for sharing our faith, for growing in disciples in Christ, and all of this has gone to look back and go, man, I wish I would have done more when I had the opportunity. Why was I so sucked up into this world system that I didn't do what I know I should have been doing? We'll look at that coming in the future. Would you please stand this morning? So one thing that I've realized more so than ever this past week is that I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of my life. Because when there is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's going to happen. Things are going to change for the better. We call it transformation. Things are going to change for the Now, let me ask you, okay. How many of you have experienced have came to a hopeless situation <laughs> where you thought there is no hope, there is no way, this is disaster, and from the least expected place, God brought transformation and changed everything. And you're still, as you look back at it, you're like, I, don't, I can't explain it, don't know how it happened, the only way to explain this is that God did that. So, if you have experienced that in your past, then you've got to know that you can and will experience that in your future. As long as God is still on his throne, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. There's no such thing as a hopeless person. See, some of you have been written off by everybody except God, and he restored you, but nobody else believed in you. You know that for a fact because that person is not someone else. That person is you. It was you. So maybe things have not worked out the way that you hoped they would, Maybe your expectation gap has been crushed. But I'm here to tell you today, there is not anything that ever catches God by surprise. He still is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He still is ruling from heaven. So our choice today is do I willingly submit to that kingdom rule and authority? Do I come every day and say, Jesus, I come to you and I place myself under your kingdom rule and authority that our hearts and our families and our church will be empowered with the kingdom authority rule of Jesus, that our fellowship will be empowered with love, forgiveness, in unity. Jesus told his disciples, people will be able to tell you're my disciples by how you love one another. 
You will forgive each other just as I have forgiven you. And there will be unity. How do you know when it's a true church? It's not that there's perfect people. It's not that no one gets their feelings hurt. But they're forgiving people. They're people of forgiveness and unity. The only way that happens is by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That we will be empowered to grow in spiritual maturity, discernment, and a deeper insight into the Scriptures. So, you know, as we study the book of James, the spiritual maturity, one thing that came glaring to the surface over and over and over again to me was that what's indicative of my spiritual growth is my attitude towards other people. That's really it. Whenever I have, whenever spiritual maturity is whenever the people that used to make you go crazy no longer make you go crazy. That's when you know you've got spiritual maturity. The things that used to blow your fuse and trip your breaker, man, you're just like Jesus. You're just moving at the rhythm of grace. Nobody's hurrying you. Nobody's making you angry. Nobody's making anything. It's your choice. That's spiritual maturity right there. Because let me tell you something. doesn't matter how spiritual mature you get, there's always going to be irritating, mean people around you. You can't change that. The only thing you can control is how you respond to that. That's it. So through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, can you help me with that? How would you like to go to a church where you know when you make a mistake, everybody's going to forgive you? How would you like to go to a church where there are spiritually mature people that aren't going to judge you, but they're going to love you? How would you like to go to a church to where you know that regardless of your past, you're going to be accepted? I don't know about you, but I'd like to be a part of that church. That's the church I want to go to. Only an empowered church is going to do that. And only a person that's empowered is going to do that. So let me ask you, I've asked you a million questions this morning, and I want to ask you about a million more before you leave out of here. My grandkids have taught me how to ask questions. <laughs> Is there anybody right now that you have not forgiven? Is there anybody right now that you're still holding a grudge against that person? Is there anybody right now that you are so irritated with them that you couldn't hardly hear what was happening here this morning with the Holy Spirit? Is there anybody that you've tried your hardest to forgive them, but you couldn't forgive them? Are you having trouble forgiving yourself? And what you need is you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do in you. Would you pray with me? So God, By the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me forgive, to grant me forgiveness and fill in that blank right there. Say that prayer right now. God hears you. God, help me. Grant me repentance to forgive myself for, and you fill in the blank right there. So that person you're irritated with, God, I ask you to help me to think rightly about, fill that blank in. So by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, help me to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Can you pray that? So God, regardless of what happens with this world, this culture we live in, God, help me to see the battle behind the battle. Can you pray that? See, because when you pray that, then you'll start praying the right kind of prayers. Until we see the battle behind the battle, we're praying about the wrong things. Then I'm going to ask you this. Will you keep on praying? Because maybe the answer is coming, but there's spiritual warfare happening. And it isn't just going to be a quick answer. 
Will you pray every day? Will you pray over and over, knowing that God is good and God is faithful? So is there someone that you know that they are lost without Christ? Well, the most important thing for you to do to witness to them is begin praying for them. So let's pray for them. So God, I pray for, fill in that blank right now. I ask you to stir deeply within their heart right now and begin drawing them to you and to your gospel and to salvation. God, give me the words to say to them. Help me to show them the love of Christ. Use me to witness to them. So when we say, I ask this in Jesus' name, what we're saying is, is we come under the power and the authority because that's what his name means. So we ask this in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Looks like Rebecca's coming back for some more announcements, possibly. Thank you, David. Mm -hmm. You guys, I'm so excited because this Wednesday night, um, we are starting back up our Wednesday night services, so I hope you guys, yes, absolutely, hope you guys will come. That's our Bridge Kids, our Bridge Students. They'll all start again at 6 o'clock. And um, also our women's group that meets on Wednesday nights. I'm super excited about that in the Student Center. So all of those are starting back, plan on coming out. And then as promised, last week, Chuck said that he would send out our update from 2020 and also our video looking ahead to 2021. That video has been sent out. And so if you did not receive it, once again, that means you're probably not receiving things in our realm system, and we want to make sure you can do that. If you haven't taken the time to watch it, I would really encourage you to do that. It gives a great overview of vision as a church, where we've been, and where we want to go. And so, um, again, there will be help at the back counter with Gary Deal if you have any realm questions, and of course, we can get our IT guy on that too. And then, as I mentioned, various ministry leaders are set up outside. Asking a question does not mean you're officially on that ministry team. Just want to highlight that. Ask your questions. See what you can do. Those sign-ups for um, everyday serving opportunities, if you want me to help connect you with one of those, or if you want to be a part of the uh, Bridge Task Force, it's pretty catchy, so you guys want to be on it, I'm sure. Um, then you guys can sign up on that as well. So go ahead, meander around out there if you're standing. Please head that way in just a minute. And if you'll stand, we'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Um, Dee is a part of our prayer team, and she's going to do that for us. Father God, we just thank you for this time to come together here to join collectively to worship you, to praise you, to learn about you. Holy Spirit, continue to lead us, continue to transform us, continue to change us. Help us this week to see the real battle behind everything, Lord, behind the thoughts that go on in our kitchen to the thoughts that go on on CNN news. And Lord, we just pray for protection. We pray for boldness, for courage. And Lord, we ask this week that you would allow us to see the power and authority that you have given us, Jesus, and to use that in our witness and in everything we do. Thank you so much. Amen.